Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. Oh, thank you, friends and family. <laughs> I pre-recorded that. That didn't... Yeah, <laughs> pretty good, right? Huh? Yeah. little humor to start off. Never hurt anybody. I am, as you can see, Cody Gesser. I am the worship pastor here, and I am excited to be speaking to you this morning. And I'm excited to be speaking for the very first time ever. So, <laughs> uh, thank you, Pastor Brian, for the opportunity, man. Uh, you might regret it, but cool. So, anyways, yeah. We're going to keep on rolling. I read this statistic. um, It was a LinkedIn survey, and they said that 74% of people are more fearful of public speaking than dying. So I'm not quite in that boat, but I do feel a little bit nervous. But I'm overall just beyond excited to have the opportunity to share my heart and to speak about you guessed it, worship. So we're going to talk about that this morning. So we're in this series called, um, we're talking about equipping you to pursue Jesus. Last week, Pastor Brian shared about what it looks like for us to pursue scripture and Bible reading. This week, I'm going to talk about what it looks like to pursue worship. Next week, it'll be prayer, and then we'll be talking about community that final week. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you about what it looks like for us as New Life to pursue worship. But I want us to take that a step further. I want us to think about what does it look like for us to pursue a life of worship? The kind of worship that looks like Deuteronomy 6.5, where it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Um, So we're going to take a little bit of a pause of what Sunday morning, we just experienced worship this morning, right, in a musical context on a Sunday morning, and they did such an awesome job, but this morning, I want us to focus on what does worship look like outside these four walls, because I'm convinced when we do that well, we'll do this well. And I don't know if you're like me, there's been times where come in on a Sunday morning and... (laughs) Something's off or doesn't feel right or in the past or how come it's not like it once was or often though the Lord has shown me it's not a lack of something happening here, it's a lack of something happening in here. So that's the need is a life of worship. What is worship? A good definition I feel is worship is when we give our deepest affections and highest praise to something. As Jesus followers, it's when we prize God above everything else and put him first in our hearts. When we prize God above everything else and put him first in our hearts. So how do we put him first in our hearts? That's what I want to go after this morning. Um, We're going to talk about what we call the big idea which is um, something that happens on the preaching team level. And if you've been a part of that, maybe Brian does an awesome job and he brings in different people from the congregation and we talk through messages. So we've been talking about this messages for a few weeks actually. And I'm really thankful for Brian's process because I don't know that I would have been able to do this if I didn't have that process. So something we talk about a lot is big idea. What is the big idea of the message? And the big idea for today's message is we can pursue him through We can pursue a life of worship through humility, gratitude, and surrender. 
We can pursue a life of worship through humility, gratitude, and surrender. And today, I thought I could offer a few postures that move us that way biblically. And the goal for today isn't, okay, now I can figure out all the things I can do to check the boxes. We don't want to go before the Lord. We want to let the Holy Spirit and the Lord work in our hearts to say, hey, that's the thing. Let me in. Let me do what I do best. So let's do that this morning. Let's pray. God, I love that song that we sang. We are not enough, God, unless, unless you come, Lord. In this message, I feel that same way. I want to surrender right now, God. Speak through me what you want to be said this morning, Lord. And the same for us as we're listening. We want to listen to you first and foremost and hear where you're pressing in our hearts where we need to look for transformation, God. We thank you for all that you are and all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So come back to that definition. If worship is when we give our deepest affections and highest praise to something, what is your best guess that something is? Hey, I heard somebody here. That was quick. It's us. It's you. It's me. We can't love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind because we often get in the way. Humility helps us pursue a life of worship. See, we can't pursue a life of worship towards the Lord when we worship ourselves. And I say that because I can be guilty of that at, at times and I also say that because the Bible told me so. John 3.30, it says, He must increase, but I must decrease. I love this um, quote by Christopher Watson. He says, Worship reminds us of who God is and what he has done for us and others throughout history. It turns our worldly woe-is-me perspective into a sacred more-you, less-me perspective. It turns our worldly woe is me perspective into sacred more you, less me perspective. And this is challenging. We live in a culture that's not going to tell you that. (laughs) It's going to say, do what you want, do what you need, go after your desires and your heart. But if you're a Jesus follower, you've seen how that leads you empty and without any hope whatsoever. So we want to pursue the Lord Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Matthew 10, 39. We want to lose our life to find God. How can we walk in humility? And as I was tracing through scripture with humility, God does this really cool thing with humility. When we hand it over to him, and we, when we say, this is yours anyways, I could never hold on to it, Often he, he blesses us and gives it back. So let's see. James 4.10 says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. He exalts us for exalting him. James 4.6 says, But he gives more grace. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He gives us grace. Matthew 23.12 says, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We will be exalted for showing humility and being humble. 
I think a good working definition for humility is freedom from pride. So if it's okay, I'd like to tell you a story when I was really freed from pride. Is that okay? Yeah, all right, here comes the story. (laughs) So there I was, it was the summer of 2022. (laughs) Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. (laughs) No, so every summer, me and my family, my mom and dad are here today, Um, we go to this family camp. I'm one of six, so I have a bunch of siblings, and it's a ton of fun. I've been going there since I was a baby. Um, And so we go there every summer, and there's other kids there who have grown up with me as well. And one of the guys who uh, goes there often, his name is, we'll call him Riley, because that's his name, and he doesn't care if I tell. So... (laughs) His name is Riley. He is a CrossFit Games athlete, not an aspiring to be one like an actual one rip your head off athlete. He is great. He is awesome. And um, he asked me if I wanted to work out with him. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. Look at you. We're the same. Cool. So so he's like, hey, tomorrow morning, we're going to get up and we're going to run to Lake Michigan. And when we get to Lake Michigan, we're going to swim across the channel and swim back. And then we'll run another four miles back. And I'm like, I've ran before. Okay. And swam in a pool. But the whole time, the Lord is kind of saying, like, hey, maybe we should think about this. I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like, freedom from pride. I got pride. I'm good. Cool. So anyways, we take off. And it wasn't too bad on the run. Got there. And we get to the channel. And so there's like, you're standing on kind of like this barge pier thing. And the water's usually like 10 foot down. But it was really windy. So it was swelling and like splashing up. And the Lord again was like, hey, let's like not. And I was like, okay, let's go. (laughs) And he jumps in and he takes off. And we're not wearing life jackets, by the way. So he jumps off. He starts swimming. And I got about halfway. And I saw him at the ladder on the other side. And I was like, I think I can make it there. But I definitely can't make it back. So then, like, I turned around, started swimming back. And swimming. And then I looked at the ladder. And I was like, that's not getting any closer. And so I started to swim faster. (laughs) And I started to panic. And the Lord just stopped me, and I sat there, and I was like, what did I do? And in that moment, it all hit. I'm just like, I'm not going to see Kayla again. Um, Noah's not going to have a dad. Like, I was just terrified. I felt so small in that moment. And um, I just cried out to the Lord. It was a real Jesus take the wheel kind of moment. It really was a John 3.30 is <laughs> like, God, you have to increase because there's not anything else happening here. But anyways, he calmed my soul and I turned and by the grace of God, spoiler alert, I didn't drown. <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's good. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> but by the grace of God, I made it and I was able to get out. And I just remember from that moment, just like, God, I don't want to go before you. In something that was seemingly such a, whatever, small miscalculation turned into a life or death situation. And I cried out to the Lord for help in that moment. And you don't want to have to be 
about to die to humble yourself before the Lord. And God gave me this really sweet prayer coming out of that. And it falls right in line with the John 3.30. It is more of you, less of me, help me see. So maybe write that down. Maybe that's something that you can take into the week. More of you, less of me, help me see. I often, I'll use that in like my daily, my life of worship. I'm going to the gas station, put my phone away. I don't need to have this out while I'm talking to someone who's right here. Like, God, more of you, let me, let me, let me see what is happening here, God, so that your glory can be shown in this moment. <laughs> so maybe you're thinking like, well, I'm the most humble person I've ever met. <laughs> But I can promise you, if you let the Lord look in your heart and in your life, you're going to find some spot where you're elevating yourself over the Lord. And I say that because I know that to be true for me as well. He must increase, but I must decrease. More of you, less of me. Help me see. It's a great reset. Declare that daily. We can also pursue a life of worship through gratitude. It changes our hearts. It changes our perspective. Um, and if you've read the Bible much, David in the Bible was someone who exuded worship. He just showed an absolute love and adoration for the Lord. So this morning, we're going to go to Psalm 63. And... Um, you know how Brian, he'll take the Bible and he shepherds us so well in showing us how to get to books of the Bible. He'll be like, so the Bible's comprised of 66 books and the Old Testament has 39, the New Testament 27. If you grab your Bible right about here, we're going to be in the Gospel of John here, which is the fourth book in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, and if you're new here, you can go to your table of contents, you can find a page number and make your way to the back. And you'll have arrived at your destination. <laughs> oh, I love that. But Loki, it, it helps me too. It helps me too. Anyway, so I'll try to do that this morning with Psalms. So if you take your Bible here and you let it just kind of like naturally fall, Earth's gravitational pull will bring you perfectly centered to the Psalms. And we're at Psalm 63. If you are in 62, you're going to need to go one to the right because 62 plus one is 63. If you made it to 64, you've gone too far. If you're using your phones this morning and it's dead, you're going to need to find a phone charger. There's plenty of outlets in the room. You can charge up your phone and it'll be fired up and you'll be falling right along in no time. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. No, I always appreciate that so much. It's so good. And like I said, half of the time I'm like, I had no idea where that was at, so I appreciate you saying something. <laughs> Psalm 63. Here we go. David exudes worship. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land, where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. 
With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadows of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword, become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. And all who swear by God will glorify him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Let's pull out a few of these different phrases so we can just kind of listen to how he just worships God in this moment. Your love is better than life. I thirst for you. I will lift up my hands. I cling to you. My whole being longs for you. This is a man who exudes worship toward the Lord. I'm just drawn to how he does that. He does it as if his life depended on it, because if you understand the context of Psalm 63, his son Absalom was trying to find and kill him. (laughs) And he chose in this moment to worship God, to give him adoration. And um, on preaching team, Lisa Countryman, she just mentioned, like, look at all the verbs in here. And that was really helpful for me to recognize, like, it's not just in word, it's in action. So how do we get to that? How do we get to that kind of gratitude? What are our minds fixed on? And I love Jake Harper. Um, He gave a message a couple weeks ago. And I'm just so convinced. He talked about living a rushed life and how we need to slow down. I'm convinced that if we don't slow down, we can't see the goodness of God. It's so easy to run past things. So we have to slow down. Here's what Philippians 4.8 says. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, lovely, admirable. Start there. Fix your mind on those places. And it's not just a thanks. It should be a declaration in the same way we sing that first, like, I thank God. My son, he got baptized a few months back, and I just remember being like, God, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in my son's life. When we eat the richest of foods, can we say, I thank God. I thank you. Or do we just finish and do the next thing, right? Like, Lord, thank you for this moment that I'm able to be nourished and filled up, God. When God comes through an impossible prayer or a situation I've been praying on forever, like, do you just declare his goodness in that moment and say, I thank you, God. When a fellow believer dies and go to heaven, maybe you're not thinking that he's gone, right? But can you thank him for being there for you and knowing where his eternity lies? Can we thank God in those moments? When we go through hard things, we grow in our understanding of God, which leads us to worship. So how are you with gratitude? When you hear Psalm 63, we pull out those phrases. It's like, yeah, 
Maybe, kind of. Like, I'm, I'm guilty of that too. Like, when I'm looking, I'm like, man, Lord, does my whole being long for you? One thing I've done with the worship team, um, we have a sign back here. It's kind of like the locker room thing. If you've ever been in a sport and you, like, hit the sign on the way out, it says, like, defense or, like, don't lose or something. We have one that says this. And I want them to walk in this as they, I don't know what that is. Don't worry about that. That's not usually there. Anyways, so this says, I thank God. And what I want them to do is walk in that posture as they help lead our church into worship. I want them to have adoration to the Lord and to start from that posture. So this morning, I thought I could do the same thing for you guys. We're going to put this right back here. So when you leave this room today and you go out into the world, you go out into your communities, you go back to whatever you call normal, you think that high? You think people jump? I can't get up there. (laughs) Nice. I like it. These guys have done high school sports. Ooh, nice and tall. Maybe one more because I think some of these people are going to swing kind of hard. Yeah. Can we thank God in all that we do? Can we be the hands and feet so when we walk out into our communities, people see something that is a little different about us? Because in the world, there's a lot of things not to be thankful for, and it's really easy to go along with that. But when we posture ourselves in gratitude, we pursue a life of worship. The final um, element posture I want to talk about is surrender. So surrender is a battle term. It implies giving up all rights to the conqueror. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be at war with God. But the reality is, it feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? And that's, that's that constant transformation process So when we surrender to the Lord, we also can pursue a life of worship. And my posture in worship, actually talking a little bit about in Sunday morning, um, a few years back, I remember I was at a church service in worship, and I felt the Lord pressing in on me, and I was like, I need to release and lift my hands to the Lord, just like in the same way we see in the Psalms there. And I just remember the enemy came in, he's like, yeah, but you're like tall and awkward and people will see you and that'll be distracting and you don't want to distract people, right? You know, the enemy has a weird way of like justifying these kinds of things for you. And I just kept like, oh, you know, I didn't know. And then I slowly heard the Holy Spirit say to me, what if you did? What if they did see you? What if they saw this tall, awkward person lifting his hands to the Lord, would that potentially lead them to me? Would that be something that would be glorifying to me? And so me surrendering that moment was an opportunity where I felt that, that Ezekiel, where, where you talk about you take that heart of stone and that heart of stone turns to heart of flesh. For me in that moment, that's what was happening. It was that surrendering process. So what does the Bible say about expressions in worship? Let's stick with the Psalms here. We'll go with Psalms 47.1. It says, clap your hands, 
all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. Psalm 95.6 says, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Psalm 63.4 I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift my hands. Psalms 121.1 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Psalm 149.3 says, Let them praise his name with dancing and make music for him with tambourine and harp. And I show you this not as the worship leader's plug to be like, y'all need to be more expressive in worship. <laughs> that is not my goal at all. But if I can come up here and stand and tell you to surrender, I'll do that all day long. Because in that same way we see in Ezekiel, what the Lord wants to do here is that he wants to, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. We want to be present to the Lord so it has nothing to do with the person next to your house, someone else expresses worship, or where you came from. It has everything to do with what the Lord is trying to do in your heart in that moment. So I can't tell you what that looks like for you. I can tell you my experience with that, but maybe it is that I'm smiling during worship instead of not smiling, like I'm, I'm singing out. But ultimately, if we, can, if we have the joy of the Lord in our heart, we should see it on our face. So we need to surrender our hearts to the Lord. He does better things with it, I promise. Look at what the book of Job says about surrender. See Job eleven thirteen through 19. Yet if you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then free of fault, you will lift up your face you will stand firm and without fear. Stand firm and without fear. You will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as waters gone by. Life will be brighter than noonday, and darkness will become like morning. You will be secure because there is hope. You will look about you and take your rest and safety. You will lie down with no one to make you afraid. And many will court your favor. That's what the Lord can do with a surrendered heart. I know I want that. Stand firm, without fear. See life brighter than noonday. Darkness become like morning. Hope, safety. So you feel that nudge to let go, to surrender? When we surrender to the Lord, we pursue a life of worship. So, maybe some of you are wondering, um, okay, Cody, if we are pursuing a life of worship outside of this room, what does that look like once we have cultivated that and we come and we bring that and we do that as a community together on Sunday mornings? Um, it looks like heaven. It looks like heaven. You see in Revelation 7, 9 through 11, it says this. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude no one could count, from every tribe, nation, people, and language, 
standing before the throne, before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We don't know a ton about heaven, but we know we're going to worship. I heard this really great story from a pastor talking about a dream he had, and he was in heaven, and he kept hearing this heartbeat. So he would move closer and closer to it, and as he got closer, he started to make out what was, what was happening, and he just heard, holy, 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 the heartbeat of heaven. I just thought that was so, so good. So we see that right in um, Revelation 4, 8. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. Matthew six ten. your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't have to wait to heaven to worship like that. <laughs> I think that's what it pointed to me. We don't have to wait until then. Obviously, it will look a little different, but we can have that posture here on earth. Rick Ezel says it really well as um, I was reading uh, an article he was talking about with worship. Like when we have this kind of life of worship, what does that bring here to Sunday morning? One of the awesome byproducts outside just the opportunity to glorify God is this. The lost will be drawn to Christ and the saved will be compelled to share Christ. When we cultivate these different aspects outside of this room. We come on a Sunday morning and we share and we glorify the Lord with surrendered hearts, in humility, full of gratitude. Lost people will be drawn to Christ and the saved will be compelled to share Christ. He pulls from John twelve thirty two there and says, and I, when I'm lifted up from earth, will draw all people to myself. When we worship God here through an outpouring of a life of worship, we can expect to see that. We can expect to see his kingdom here as it is in heaven. So where is the Holy Spirit trying to work for you this morning? Is it humility? Is it gratitude? Is it surrender? Is it something different? If you're listening, what is he telling you? Where is he nudging you to say, hey, Let me in. What door is he wanting you to open so that he can come in and redeem that place? What space in your life do you need to hand over so that you can pursue a life of worship? Let's pray.